WXXI and the Little Theater, this is Movies in a Microphone. I'm your host, Scott Pukas, and today we're talking about googly eyes, sad triangles, and of course, the 2023 Academy Awards, a.k.a. the Oscars. Today I'm joined by first-time guest, little floor manager, anime superfan, friend of Baki, Joe McClaney. <laughs> Hello. Uh, Joe also said he can do a good uh, Darth Vader impression, and he will be doing it <laughs> at some point during the show. <laughs> uh, also joining us, assistant events coordinator, little punch master general, a real title, uh, Candace Grimes. Yes, I expect to be saluted. <laughs> we do that around here. She makes a great punch, and we salute her. Uh, and finally, we have... A, one of our most familiar voices on the podcast, I think he's passing Jackie as the most frequent movies in a microphone uh, guest. We have projectionist, film writer, movie watcher, Adam Lubitow. Excited to be here once again. <laughs> I guess we're all movie watchers, but I feel Adam is especially a yeah. movie watcher. It's, it's to an obsessive level. I'll take that. <laughs> That's I fair. Mean, term of endearment right there, I would say. <laughs> yeah. It, we, we depend on you for it, so... <laughs> That's a lot of pressure then. Uh, before we get talk about the Oscars too much, we have to talk about a big event that we're doing right here in Little Theater One, where we are hosting this podcast at the moment. The Little's Oscar Trivia Party is 6 p.m. Sunday, March 12th. The doors open at 5.30. Uh, tickets available right now at the little.org. Uh, we have pub style trivia, uh, best picture themed food and drinks, hashtag blooming glass onion which is a great pun, but we're probably not going to do it, so I should stop saying that. <laughs> um, bingo, a prize wheel, tons of giveaways, and of course, the chance to watch the Oscar ceremony on the big screen. Uh, Candace, did I miss anything? Is there anything else that people should know about this party? The nonsense. <laughs> the pure nonsense. We just try to have fun. We don't take it too seriously. This is not a gala. This is, you're going to come, enjoy, watch the Oscars, but also just sort of be irreverent and just share the love of movies with your community. So it should be awesome. It's very silly. Um, and I should mention, you can wear whatever attire you want. So you can be fancy if you want, if you want to wear yes. a gown, a tux. But you don't have to. You could wear something more comfortable if you want. You could dress as as an avatar. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> do whatever. <laughs> you could do whatever you want, pretty much. I'm always looking for an excuse to put together an outfit, so... I'll be bringing it, but sweatpants are also acceptable. Definitely thought you were going to say you're always looking for an excuse to dress as an avatar. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you know I would, though. I'm like, yes, paint my body blue. If you would pull Do it. Off, I, I believe <laughs> it. Well, I think we have to talk about what Candace is wearing right now. This blanket is amazing. <laughs> it's Sebastian Stan's face everywhere. It's actually Matt's blanket, <laughs> Matt DeTurk, the event coordinator. Just going to throw him under the bus like that, huh? Yeah, well, he was <laughs> nice enough to let me borrow it because it's very chilly in the theater today. Since it's Tuesday and um, the heat, I don't think, is set to kick on because <laughs> we're not normally open, so saved my life. But, you know, Sebastian Stan is also everyone's favorite bad boy, so. The I point is, it. if you want to wear a Sebastian Stan blanket to this Oscar party, you yes. can do that. Throw blankets welcome. And Candace, you mentioned the nonsense, the silliness. I think that's really a main takeaway. Uh, even with the trivia, which is pub-style trivia for one to four people, we had a lot of fun with it. Um, Drive My Car was a Best Picture nominee last year. And of course, we had a category, uh, which Matt kind of masterminded, the Drive My Carbs 
where Which we had the visual round. famous film cars as bread, and you had to guess the film. So it gets goofy. It's fun. And I, I think another main takeaway that we'll have is if you go to this party, you're going to leave with some free stuff. I don't know. Uh, so you reached out to some uh, distributors, and they sent us a lot of neat, cool items. Do you want to talk a little bit about what uh, we have? Yeah, they were very eager. I just said, hey, got anything that we could use as prizes? And they sent boxes upon boxes of things. We have T-shirts, uh, some Puss in Boots plushies, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I feel like those will be a hot commodity. Uh, mugs. We have a Babylon Jenga tower. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, also the Babylon cocktail sets. Those are going to be our raffle prizes. Um, and they're amazing. Like, they fit the Little's vibe so perfectly because, you know, it's set around the time that the Little was built. So it's very Art Deco. Um, so I was excited about those. I'm like, I want to win this. But yeah. I'm not eligible. If you come, you will walk away with some cool stuff. Guaranteed. And if distributors are listening, send us more stuff for staff, please. <laughs> <laughs> they yes. do listen to the that's podcast. That's the important <laughs> one right there. Staff, staff need swag, okay? That's yeah, where we're influencers. We're movie influencers. Exactly. People. How are the customers going to know we have that around if the staff isn't like walking around in it? <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point. We'll tag you on Instagram. Boom. But, but someone lucky out there is going to get all the cool stuff. And we have posters for pretty much every best picture and a ton of other movies. So there's, there's just so many prizes. It's going to be fun. You're going to win some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think the communal experience is, is cool. I don't know if you guys remember watching uh, in this auditorium when the slap happened, the big moment from last year's Oscars, there the Will Smith Chris yes. Rock incident. It was a lot of confusion, <laughs> actually, because watching it in real time, you're like, is this part of the show? Is this not? So, but yeah, it's cool to look back and go, I was at the little when this iconic moment happened. I feel like I missed out because I was not here or watching it at all so i caught the well, aftermath of all that and was just like oh that happened oh <laughs> yeah you'll have to come as a vip this year oh. don't work Ooh. just enjoy it i'm about to say i might be working i don't know i don't think so well maybe in the back yeah. i don't know it happens i might just peek up here there's a yeah just take a look see how it's going <laughs> if mm -hmm. chaos is erupted <laughs> definitely get some food because you know we're gonna have some good food so at Ooh. least come and eat are we going to have the poutine truck here then? I don't think so. I think we're gonna we're we're sticking to the the best picture themed food, which went over really well last year, and we had a lot of fun with. So all right, all right, we've all right. got some good ideas. I don't want to release any of those publicly yet because you know I got you. I got your secrets. Yeah, y'all can't get everything from this podcast. You got to come through <laughs> and see what it is. Yeah, you have to come <laughs> to the party to know. It's it's a teaser. We're we're giving them a little a little taste, but we're not giving it all away. This is yes. just. So it's like the perfect movie trailer then. We're going to give you a little bit, but not going to tell you exactly how it's going to end. That's a good analogy. No spoilers, though. I mean, a trisket of sadness has been discussed, which I love. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be food puns. I think that's <laughs> the main I feel thing. Like that's the key. <laughs> that is a key element is yes. the food puns. Um, I, I think another fun thing about watching the Oscars on the big screen, too, is uh, we had a lot of people that were applauding or cheering when the movie that they were rooting for won, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool to see. I think we did have some booing, too, but... <laughs> Yeah, well, I feel like that's just feelings just are allowed. Yes. So and again, the Oscar party Sunday, March twelfth, uh, here right here at the Little Theater, Little Theater One, six p.m. Tickets available now at thelittle.org. They're going pretty quickly. I would say get on it if you <laughs> if you would like mm -hmm. to go, and if we've uh, properly 
have persuaded you to go. Um, Joe will be there. We can promise that. <laughs> Might be dressed up as Michael Myers. Who knows? <laughs> Which Joe did do once and I, when we played Halloween. So it, it's possible. It's in the realm of possibility. Okay, we're going to talk about best picture. We're going to start off right with the top. We're not messing around. We're going to go right to the right to the main event. Um, so here are the uh, best picture um, nominees. And we're just going to go around rapid fire. We're going to talk about these. We have not seen all of them, even working at movie theaters. <laughs> you, you don't get to every movie all the time. Uh, so here are the nominees for best picture. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, the Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. So I'm just going to go right in order. We're going to go all quiet in the Western Front first. Adam, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, it is a beautiful movie that I did not care for. I'm generally not a huge war movie fan, and I feel like this one just didn't really say anything new that you haven't seen in every other war movie that's been made. But it's it's well done. It's well made. It's well acted. It's beautiful. Uh, makeup and special effects are impeccable. But meh for me. I feel justified skipping that one then. <laughs> that's one of the ones I haven't seen. So you're not inspiring me to see it. But I don't think Joe or I have seen it either, right? You nah, I haven't seen it. Um, War films is another one where it's like, eh, it's 50-50. It depends on who's in there, and I didn't really care for who was in there. So. I feel just, oh, go ahead, Adam. No, I was just <coughs> going to say, I saw an uh, interesting reaction from someone I follow on Letterboxd that I may have colored how I watched the movie, but they uh, described it as, like, no different than a slasher film. And I Ooh. thought that was really interesting because it's literally you meet a whole bunch of teenagers, and then you watch them get brutally massacred and then yeah. that's the movie. And I was like, it's interesting that when it's in this context, if this gets Oscar and awards attention, but if it's an actual slasher movie, everyone is like, oh, that's junk and garbage. So justice for yeah. horror movies. That is an interesting framework. I never thought about war movies like that. Because I love horror movies. Me too. Don't like, don't care for war movies. Yeah. So, fascinating. I'm very much in a slasher mindset. I just read uh, Stephen Graham Jones' sequel to My Heart is a Chainsaw, which is called Don't Fear the Reaper. It's a slasher book. The new Scream is coming out. I'm, I'm in a slasher mindset. So that actually kind of maybe sold me on Hulk Quiet. I was going to say, that, that kind of <laughs> makes me want to watch it now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you watch it that way, it still works. Like, you see a bunch of brutal kills, and then the movie's over. <laughs> Yeah, and this is the second iteration of this movie, right? Wasn't there a movie from the 30s that was yeah. the same? Yeah, the 30s. And I think it was nominated for Best Picture the year it came out. So I'm a little like, is that cheating? Like, we already know that people love it. We know the Academy loves it. So yeah, I think to your point, just not a lot of originality there. But again, I haven't seen it, so can't really judge it. But that's why it wasn't at like the top of my list as far as... I'm trying to watch as many of these as I can, and that one sort of fell to the wayside. And also the fact that it's three hours long, which a lot of them are. I mean, yeah. But, you know, it's a big time commitment. For sure. I, I am um, proud to say at the little we played uh, eight of the ten Best Picture ones. So 80%, that's pretty good. The only ones we did not play are at the little are Top Gun and Avatar, which are the big box office ones that you probably wouldn't expect to see in our house theater anyway. Uh, Avatar, speaking of Avatar, 
Adam, what are your thoughts on the way of the water? <laughs> Starting with me every time. Uh, I think you're the only one that's seen the only sure bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed Avatar. I'm generally a James Cameron fan. I feel like he knows how to direct action, and I feel like watching it as a spectacle, as an action movie, like it is amazing. Um, Plot-wise, it's basically the same movie as the first one. Um, I feel like that one got all the attention. I feel like this is kind of an also ran compared to it, but it's it is amazing. Like especially seeing it, you know, like IMAX 3D, like it is a spectacle. I will <coughs> say that will be one of the only movies I have long thought of within the past couple. Of oh years. yeah, yeah. I it just plot wise, I just wasn't enjoying it. So like, that's ah, fair. Just, you know. And it is also again like three hours long. Yeah, actually, is it over three hours? I don't. It, know. It, I think it's think over. I long. think it was <laughs> like either close to or slightly over three hours. But it was just yeah, very beautifully done movie. You can't. Anytime dealing with Avatar or James Cameron, it's going to be a beautiful movie when you're watching it. Yeah. But I also won. I'm not a 3D fan. Mm. It really kind of gives me a headache whenever if I try to watch anything in 3D. So I I stay away from it. And then also it's like I'm really like a plot driven person. So oh if yeah, it's don't <laughs> go to Avatar movies <laughs> for the plot. <laughs> so for me, I it was like I had to walk out of it. I was, I was like, I'll catch y'all when you're done. I'll be in the arcade because I was like, well, it's perfect time to go see it. So I was just like. <laughs> Understandable. That that and the the Jurassic Park movie are the t- actually yeah I walked out of that one too those two two movies within the past year I walked out of which the or Jurassic World one sorry not Jurassic Park the most recent one yes okay. yeah that because they just that was bad yeah <laughs> they were trying to rely on uh, nostalgia for that one I think we just unlocked a new uh, podcast segment Joe walking out of movies <laughs> <laughs> we talk about the movies. That Joe did not want to watch <laughs> in the theater. It's hard to get me to walk out of a movie. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's especially when you pay for. It. Like I, under, I mean, I could understand yeah. if it's like you're at home and you just like turn it off. But when you're paying to go to a movie theater, yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's gotta be something's gotta not be right. Especially when it's a movie theater that's not the little because that's a whole lot of money right there. I'm just saying, <laughs> you come to the little, you know, get a better price for movies. You're doing a good job, Joe. Great job <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. I knew I'm, I knew it was a good idea to I'm have you on. I'm not doing product placement at all. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can sell ourselves. We can be shills for the little. That's the whole point. Uh, Candace, do you have any thoughts on Avatar: The Way of Water? Uh, I did not see it. Um, I don't tend to. I don't know. I I was gonna say I don't tend to watch big blockbuster movies generally. Like I'm not a Marvel movie person. I'm not a um, action movie, but I do like, I like like gritty action, like Die Hard or like, you know, those style of films. But yeah, I don't really have any interest in seeing it. I saw obviously the first Avatar and as you were saying, there was so much buzz around the first one. And I think so much of that was just, there was this sort of groundbreaking technology that was being used um, that going forward, sort of every movie in that style has copied. Um, So I definitely appreciate it for its groundbreaking technology and uh, I guess I think there's a little bit of there's some new stuff that he does with this one as well from what I've heard yeah. um, but personally I just don't really have I don't have any interest to see to see it I thought the first one he created such a gorgeous world and it was really immersive and it was a cool theatrical experience but yet the story was lacking which I think is similar things that have been said about the sequel here I think 
the Banshees of Inishirin. Candace, what are your thoughts on Banshees? Um, I definitely love the the dark humor. I'm a huge black comedy fan, so like anytime, it, it, I usually find myself being the only one laughing at, at those kinds of movies where everyone else is just like, this movie is horrifying and dark, and I'm just like, it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually found myself like laughing out loud quite a bit. Um, but then there's also this very poetic and Shakespearean aspect to it. I love sort of the humanist conversation where it's just sort of what is it to be a person and to connect with another person and you know also sort of circumstances because they are in this small Irish village um, so sort of who not who are you stuck with in life but sort of who becomes the people that you're always around and how do we choose our friends and how do we set those boundaries with people that we feel like maybe we no longer align with and sort of how do you disentangle yourself so i thought it brought up a lot of really interesting thought-provoking points um, and the performances were just amazing like it, it totally makes sense to me that so many of the actors from the film are nominated in the various categories because it was just such a, a stellar cast I probably should have added some ca context. So the plot of the Banshees of Inishirin, it's during the Civil War in Ireland, um, and there's Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and at one point Brendan Gleeson's character is like, I'm just no longer gonna be friends with you, um, which leads to, I think, a real um, extreme um, <laughs> way to, to not be friends with them and, and kind of some shocking scenes. Uh, but I agree with you, Candace, that I do think there was a lot of humor <laughs> in this movie. And it's funny, uh, Adam and I were recently on Connections and we were talking about Best Picture nominees. Uh, Banshees came up quite a few times. Um, and I had friend of the podcast, Gino Finelli, had tweeted at me and he's like, well, I actually didn't think uh, Banshees was depressing. Although I agree with that, I don't think depressing is the right word. But he said, I don't think it's depressing. He thought it more had a sweetness to it and a mm -hmm. heart to it. Um, that's not exactly what he said. I'm paraphrasing because I can't <laughs> remember. Um, but I thought it was a good point. You know, it was, I, for me, it was a very sad movie. It had sad parts for sure. But it had a lot of humor. It had a lot of humanity. Um, and it wasn't one of those sad ones where I felt like a sinking feeling afterward. You know, I, mm -hmm. I felt more uplifted and, and, you know, I thought more of the humor in it. Um, Adam, what are your thoughts here on Banshees? Uh, I'm going to echo both of you. I I really have loved that movie, and I appreciated, as you said, that it was often hilarious in dark ways, but I also found it, like, devastating. Um, and I would say, like, in the end, it was, it was kind of a depressing ending for me. Um, and I feel like, especially if anyone has, like, lost a friendship or broken up uh, with someone friendship-wise, I feel like it hits close to home, especially if you've had that experience. Mm -hmm. um, and again, yeah, all four of the lead performances, I think, yeah, it makes absolute sense that they're all nominated because they're all phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. It's, it's one of my favorites that came out this year. Yeah, they almost kind of become frenemies at the end, though, which I thought was interesting, where they were like, it's just going to keep going, yeah. you know? And so they didn't really break up. They just sort of redefined their relationship. Yeah. So I thought that that was really interesting that like, even though he tried, he could not get him out of his life. He just shifted to a different role in his life to where now there's more of a tension to their relationship, but 
they're still communicating and they still seem to need each other in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, like, yeah, definitely depressing the ending was. It's heartbreaking, yeah. especially for Colin Farrell's character because you're just like, he's obviously sort of the heart and he's so sweet and just, I don't even want to say innocent, but you just really feel for him. Um, and so sort of his character development from going from that to sort of being like, no, like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I don't want. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> um, I, I think that was more. It was yeah, general. More, enough, more but general, but yeah, but just more of where he's, he just you see him getting angry. He doesn't understand. Like, no, why don't you want to be my friend anymore? Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's kind of fascinating to watch his character development. Joe, you watched some of Banshees. You've caught a few scenes. You said or. Yeah, I caught a few scenes because I uh, kept wanting to. That was one I really, really desperately really wanted to see because it seemed like it was a different <coughs> movie that was kind of coming out for ages, and it was just like it's a guy movie that dealt with just pure feelings and friendship, and that was about it. But from the few things that I saw, it, it just seemed very, uh, I would guess, say hitting more close to home that I thought it would be because everyone has gone through a moment where there's someone who you're you feel closer to them than what they feel closer to you and then that friendship kind of just breaks down and it's something that you don't want it to have happen um and then from what little i saw from it it was just like wow someone could like really use this as like a therapy session type thing for if that's something that's going (laughs) on for it's it was just you know, interesting to see. Unfortunately, I didn't get any of the, the comedy parts that you guys probably <laughs> have saw, but I yeah. I would probably say out of that whole movie, maybe like 15 minutes is what I've seen total. It, it, w- it was, um, yeah, it w- I don't think every it was a movie for everyone. Um, I really, so the uh, the trio in it, the uh, director, Martin McDonough, Brendan Gleeson, and Colin Farrell, they were all together in a movie that I believe was released in 2008 in Bruges which I uh, think is a real hidden gem. I really uh, adore that film. So I was, I was very excited to see them reunite for this, and I thought they, they delivered. Um, so the... Colin Farrell in the movie. <laughs> um, he's just he's not going to be in a bad movie. Yeah, ever since The Lobster, I've just been like a huge fan of his. And pretty much if he's in something, I'm like, okay, I, tru- I trust his taste. Unfortunately, you know. that movie got such a bad rap because of the one scene. I love one The Lobster. But that's the thing. That's an example of like a movie where I was LOLing during The Lobster, and I saw it at the Little, and like people walked out, and I was just like cracking up. It <laughs> so. was, they just can't handle seeing anything happen to an animal. That's all, say, that's, yeah, that's that's all it is. It's a movie. Yeah. It, the animal was not really hurt. It's pretend. They can't <laughs> see it. People can't handle that. <laughs> I, I get that. I actually don't like to see animal stuff. I mean, I don't like to see it, but <laughs> I take comfort in the fact that, and it served a purpose in the plot. So yeah, it no, I, I, en- I yeah, really enjoyed yeah, The Lobster, yeah. too. Yorgos Lanthimos is, he has a new film coming out, by the way, this year. Yeah, uh, yeah so the some of the uh, acting nominations for Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Colin Farrell got one. Uh, let's see. Carrie Condon. I should have had this all. Yeah, and Brendan Gleeson. And she's fantastic. Yes. Brendan Gleeson and and Barry Keegan as well, who was in a Yorgos Lanthimos film, The the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah. Um, that movie I was not funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't enjoy that one as much. I've heard some people say that it's actually funny. You thought it was funny? funny? Okay. Like, watching it, 
I didn't, but then I read some reactions that yeah, it also has some dark humor like that. Okay. Kind of made me want to watch I it again. I should really watch it again. Yeah. yeah. The Colin Farrell one, too. Um, th- there isn't an acting one here, but so w- later uh, in the show, we're going to get to our alternative Oscars. And this isn't mine, but this will be a bonus. I always think there should be a category for best animal actor. And Jenny the donkey. Jenny the donkey. And Banshees of Inishirin. A delight. Yes, which I heard she had her own support donkey on set so that she wasn't the only donkey. That's so funny. they got the donkey a donkey. I love that for her. Yes, which is what I want to do with my dog. But Very vaguely sweet. <laughs> right. Uh, the next one in our best picture list is Elvis. Joe, are you an Elvis fan? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you don't have to apologize for it. Elvis uh, is controversial. It's w- okay. So yeah, there's a controversy part of Elvis, but I just don't like Elvis because it makes me kind of sad. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I I oof. know why. Yeah, oof, big oof, right there. Well, I'm from three hours outside of Memphis, so we don't talk like that about Elvis where I'm from. See, oh maybe, no. maybe if I was from Elvis, or maybe if I was from El- maybe if I was from Memphis, you know, maybe I'd like him. I don't know. I just mm, the music just didn't hit for me. I don't. I tried. I gave it a good college try. It just wasn't really. Another podcast segment of Battle Royale, Candace and Joe, on the topic of Elvis. Topic of Elvis. Well, so Candace, you you were a fan of this film then? Well, I didn't say that. <laughs> You're like, whoa. <laughs> no, whoa. I, di- I did. I did enjoy the movie. Um, I I'm a fan of Baz Luhrmann, so I really enjoy his style of filmmaking. I definitely got a few like Moulin Rouge flashbacks, and definitely in a lot of the beginning scenes where they're doing those big like zoom in to sort of, you know. I don't know how to explain it, but you kind of are zooming in on a setting or something. Um, and then also with Tom Hanks's character sort of being the narrator, um, I thought that was interesting, but also is one of my sort of complaints with the movie where I felt like it it wasn't personal enough. Like, I feel like it kind of removed Elvis, him personally, so where it was more about this um, Tom Hanks who plays his manager, I don't remember his Colonel name. Colonel Tom... Parker, I think. Yeah. So he's ultimately the one who sort of exploits Elvis, um, and that is based on truth, I believe. Um, but I think in in sort of framing the film in that way, um, there are some parts of um, Elvis as a complicated person that don't really get explored because it all kind of becomes this evil Tom Hanks character's fault. Um so I wish there would have been a little more depth there. And also Priscilla was like a very one note. Like I wanted to know more about their relationship, his family. And then also just my complaint in general about um, biopic films about musicians specifically. I feel like there's so many tropes there with like drug use and alcohol. And I know that it is a common thing that happens, but I feel like these movies get stuck in a loop and they kind of all beca- become the same. But I do think that Elvis sets itself apart with things like the production design, with Baz Luhrmann's um, direction, uh, the cinematography, again, which is nominated, was great. Only woman in that category nominated, Mandy Walker. So I'm very excited to see that. Um, and sort of recreating a lot of Elvis's performances and appearances. Um, I thought that was all really cool and really well done. The costume design was great. Um, it was just a, it was a visual feast. Very much a visual feast. I do like Elvis's music. Um, my papa, my, my grandpa, my dad's dad, he was 
obsessed with Elvis and he was very much like an Elvis character. So like seeing a lot of that like early Elvis when he sort of becomes this rock star and sort of the first, really the first rock star. I loved those bits of the movie. Um, and I do like that they explored the fact that, um, you know, that his style of music was already happening and existing in black communities and that Tom Hanks's character saw that and was like, I'm gonna exploit that because he's white, so they will accept Elvis playing this kind of music. Um, but I think a lot of sort of the issue with that and a lot of the issue that people take is that he ultimately was profiting off of the art of a lot of um, black artists that never got the notoriety or the fame or the money. Um, but to speak a little bit to Elvis's life, I know I'm talking a lot about this, apparently I have a lot of feelings. Um, but he <laughs> did grow up in this poor, he, he was a poor white man lived growing up in those black communities. So he was inspired by that community. He was friends with people in the black community. Um, so I think especially the way that he is portrayed in the movie, he has this very innocent, um, he just loves that style of music, and I think that that is part of why within the direction and the choices that were made, he is removed from any sort of personal responsibility for the exploitation, um, you know, of that community. So those are some of my <laughs> pros and cons, um, but I definitely think it's worth watching and worth talking about and definitely has a place among um, the best pictures of the year. Adam, do you? What are your thoughts on Elvis? You you I were like a fan. I can't follow that like that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, no, um, I had more feelings than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm like Candace, a huge fan of Baz Luhrmann. So like his style of direction that is very maximalist, super overly. I would say some people would probably say edited, um, over the top. Um, heightened reality, like that works for me. And I thought, especially in this case, Elvis himself was such an over-the-top persona um, that I thought it worked. And I thought uh, Austin Butler as Elvis, I thought he was fantastic. Um, I feel like he, I feel like he's the main draw. Like even if you don't like the movie itself, I feel like you'd be hard pressed to say like that is a bad performance. Like that is, he's he's great. Yeah, and I was super judgmental of him as a choice whenever the movie was announced because I was like, Disney Channel kid that I've never heard of, but he did a great job. Yeah, I mean, he was still talking like Elvis months after <laughs> its release and probably like a year after he filmed it. Good for him. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. I will say right now, this was my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, I think we all have a lot of feelings about that one. Yeah. I, I will. I, it's, this is one where it's hard to explain what it's about, but if you not, have not seen it, it's a movie about taxes and googly eyes and multiverses. <laughs> There's a fanny pack fight. I love that the first thing you said was taxes, because that's not what that my brain goes to. At all. I mean, that is the framework, <laughs> I guess, but. We, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we had a tax day screening of it where we did a, a live podcast, um, which I can't believe was almost a year ago. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's obviously a lot more about taxes. That was my goofy, <laughs> goofy answer. But I think it had great performances. It was one of the most creative and clever movies I have seen in in years. Candace, you said this was one of your favorites as well, correct? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is just, like you said, creative. Like, I have never seen a movie like this. I'm not sure another movie like this exists. Um, we were lucky enough to get the sneak 
preview here at the Little. So I got to watch it with an audience all ex also experiencing it for the first time. And that was really fun and amazing because there's so many just like crowd pleasing moments, but also like there's so much heart to the movie. So that's one of the things I love about it is they do such a good job of having these big action moments and having these, just these wild things happening. But at the end of the day, like you're so connected to the characters, you're so connected to the mother and daughter um, relationship, even the um, you know wife and husband relationship. There's a lot dealing with divorce. There's a lot dealing with family and acceptance and fitting in and all of these things that I think everyone can relate to on an existential level. So being able to sort of balance that with also these really over the top, sometimes like a little bit like potty humor moments too is just, it's just amazing that it all somehow works. And then you also throw Michelle Yeoh in there and it's like, am I dreaming this movie right now? Like I had several moments when I saw it where I was like, is this real? Like, is this really, like even the everything bagel, I'm like, this is the weirdest shit, <laughs> but like, I love it. Like, yes. That's all I would like if I hadn't seen it, and then you just said that, I would be like, <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. And, and that's not even mentioning the performer, like Michelle Yeoh, an icon, uh, yeah. Kiki Kwan, who most people know as Short Round in Temple of Doom, is also a force here. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic, has won some awards. Mm -hmm. And my favorite, one of my favorite performances of the year is Stephanie Hsu, yes. who is the heart and soul of this film. She's yes. nominated for Best Supporting Actress. She plays the daughter in the family. Every like outfit that she wore when she was the, whatever her evil doppelganger, what what was? Jobu. Yeah, I'm like, what was the character's name? I, I just always. It was Jobu Pataki, <laughs> something like that? Yeah, yeah. 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 So I'll, like I'll dub in the right <laughs> more. Every <laughs> look, like even that one of those first scenes where like the fight scene where she comes and she has, speaking of Elvis, the like Elvis suit on, like just where she's walking the pig. I was just like, like, oh my God, get your foot off my neck. Like, seriously, like just <laughs> she freaking destroyed me. Like, ugh, I love her. I love everything about her. In this movie, the mm -hmm. co the costume and production design in this film too were like insane. Yeah, because they really take you there. Yeah, like they bring you there. It's it's really good how they had that whole design set up because that that movie is meant to keep your attention the entire time. And that speaking of which, they make sure that uh, anytime they knew like okay, this is around the time people start falling off and stop paying attention. They throw something right at you, and it's, it just brings you right back. There's mm -hmm. at no point in time you're not going to be just encapsulated with this movie whatsoever. Uh, yes, laughing, crying, being like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially that one. That that kept coming up for me every what ten minutes of that movie. Like, what? Like, what is going on right here? This is crazy. Um, I still can't believe. I what made me want to watch this movie to this from the start was because Michelle Yeoh was in there. But then when I found out that it was supposed to be Jackie Chan, it was supposed to be the one that they were originally trying to have for this, and yeah. he was really? he was gonna yeah he was gonna be the father. I'm not sure who they're gonna have to be the mother, but th it was supposed to be between the father and the daughter, and it was gonna be Jackie Chan mm -hmm. doing all that, and not so much. Oh, that would not have worked to me. <laughs> like just thinking about that, that would not it. 
maybe it would have worked, but it would have been a different movie. Oh, it would not be it the same. Definitely would have like been fun. And Michelle Yeoh is one of my. She is the best female martial arts act actress I've ever seen in my life, and I was. I'm so enthralled with her. Anything mm -hmm. that she's been in, I've seen. And I can just go down the whole list. And mm -hmm. I was just like, this one's perfect mm -hmm. for me. And all the roles that she had to play within this role, too. Like, that's what's so fun about the multiverse is just, like, it's such a deep character exploration because you get to see all these different versions of mm -hmm. who this person could have been. Yeah, I and I think that's what I love most about this movie is just seeing it gives her so much to do and allows her to show everything that she is capable of doing as an actress or uh, as a martial arts icon. And, you know, she, she has talked about in interviews, you know, that she has been waiting for an opportunity to get to show off everything that is in her, you know, performing repertoire. And this finally came along and it's, it's amazing to watch. And so I, I hope she wins an Oscar for it because I, I feel like that would just be, the the capper on an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't. I'm right. I'm, I'm just. It's her yeah. time. It's definitely her time. Oh, most definitely. And the one thing that it, I would say is even more of a notch like her acting ability. She had to pull off not pretending to not know anything. All the stuff that she was doing in there, she's been doing for decades. Yeah. To have it be where she's acting as a role to where she has to pretend to not know what's going on while also showing that she is an expert while doing it at the same time is mm -hmm. just crazy. Yeah. And Joe, I should know, I, I, when I introduced you, I said an anime super fan, but you also have pretty intricate knowledge of martial arts as well. So, you, yes. so I, I'll qualify it that Joe, when he says this, he knows what he's talking about. Yes. I, I will say I've... Uh, not as many years as any of them, but I've done martial arts since I was around three or four. So it's been, I would say I've practiced uh, about 24 years total of martial arts for me. So I have a little bit of a knowledge for stuff like that. And at, at the Oscar party, if you can conquer Joe in martial <laughs> arts, <laughs> you'll win a prize. <laughs> They they can't see us now, but Joe is also very. I mean, the prize is very that they got out person. alive, right? Like that's the prize. Yeah, you're, you're, it's going to be a tough <laughs> challenge, but that's you know that's why we're doing. I got you for three minutes. <laughs> You'll be doing your Darth Vader, uh, James Earl Jones impression the entire time too, so they'll be <laughs> laughing. <laughs> oh my gosh! That uh, I, w I do want to know since you said you're a Michelle Yeoh super fan as well. Do you have a favorite film of hers? Because I feel like I she like I've seen a bunch of things with her, with her, but I feel like I'm missing so many that I'm like I need to check out like everything she's done. So I I'm looking for recommendations. Oh man, she's done so many things. Oh, my favorite Michelle Yeoh movie. <laughs> I don't mean to put you. I'm on the gonna spot. you have to you have to come back to me on that one because now I got to choose because I'm gonna tell you right now anything. You know he what? was in Oscar mode, and now you just like <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm throwing you a wrench. Threw you off track. You, you want to know what's a good one for her that I think isn't really well known because it's just a good little, just a throwaway movie to watch. Silverhawk. It's a good one. It it, it then has uh, Michael Jai White in there, who was another phenomenal uh, martial arts actor who no one really, no one gives a props to him for that. And it's just, it's a good movie. It's her playing like a little superhero and her uh at least for that is Silverhawk and uh it, yeah, there's a lot. It's, it's it's a good one to watch. It's a, it's a awesome. funny one to watch. 
Uh, Michelle Yo does listen to the podcast, so there was a ton of pressure on that answer. It, listen, Michelle, oh. Miss Madam Yo, if you are listening <laughs> to this, uh, please uh, just shake my hand for just two seconds, and I would just be happy. <laughs> she would break your hand. No, I, please. <laughs> I will say that's one of our the prizes that we got from the distributors. Oh. That's one of my favorites. Is A twenty four sent us a bunch, like fifty Michelle Yo. With the googly third eye um, enamel pins, and I think we're gonna do those as like a Oscar bingo prize. So, so you come and play Oscar bingo. Fifty now you have about maybe one left. So <laughs> I'm taking <laughs> <of> those. <laughs> I think you're owed one at this point. <laughs> yeah, actually, I bet host. I forgot to mention one of the big prizes too that we have um, for the trivia winning trivia team is that you will win a free rental. Yes, private screening. Private screening. So you can wow. watch a movie mm-hmm. just with your trivia. And it's team. also going to be um, open concessions. So it's one of our party packages where you get anything you want from concessions for There's free. There's a damn good price. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, y'all need to jump yes. on that. An over $500 value. <laughs> 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 it, no, it's a great value. And it's so <laughs> fun. To, it's during when we were closed um, in 2020 and 2021, we did have private screenings, and I was lucky enough to be able to do some stuff, got some private screenings, and it was so fun. It was yeah. so fantastic. It's awesome. It is worth it. Um, so w- I think we'll go back to everything everywhere all at once at some point because we will, at the end of the show, talk about um, who we would like to see win Best Picture and who we think will win. Um, and I have a feeling everything everywhere <laughs> all at once will come up. <laughs> Uh, the Fablemans was also n- also a, a favorite of mine. Um, Adam, I think you were a big fan of this too. <laughs> I I am. This is also up there with my favorites of the year. I I just loved this movie. Like in general, like I mean, I'm not saying anything that people don't know. Like Spielberg knows how to make a movie. Um, but it w- I thought it was so interesting seeing him, you know, do something so personal and so blatantly autobiographical. Like I feel like. There have been elements of that to his other movies, but has never been like, this is directly inspired by my life. Um, and I I feel like it didn't get a fair chance by a lot of people. I feel like people saw it were like, oh, this is Spielberg, you know, saying, oh, I'm amazing, look at my life. Um, this is, you know, what what made me the great director I am today. But I feel like there's a lot more going on in this movie. I feel like it's... And I don't think it's as sentimental as people might expect. And it's it's basically, to me, uh, you know, about how we use art to process the things in our life that we wouldn't know how to otherwise. Um, and I think it's also not as glowing a portrait of, of him. Like, I feel like a lot of this is, you know, when you dedicate yourself to something no matter what it is, that also has the effect of meaning uh, a lot of other elements of your life get neglected. And I feel like it, it delves into that, of what that means for, you know, what it's meant for his family over the years. Um, so I feel like there's so much going on, and it's so entertaining and amazing to watch that, yeah, I, I love this movie. Candace, you're nodding a lot. You're a fan, yeah. too. Well, mostly because I am one of those people that he's referencing that was like, Fableman's okay, whatever, Steven Spielberg, right? Like, you're the best director, <laughs> you know? And so I had a very much, I, I had the attitude that I knew what it was going to be, you know, and I didn't, but 
course, you know, for science, I <laughs> watched it, and it, I was very pleasantly surprised. There was way more depth there than I expected. Um, it almost, he like, I don't want to say, there's a, there's a darkness there. There's It very much delves into sort of creative people, the creative process, what sort of makes someone an artist, um, and creating out of pain. Um, as someone who went to art school, my, I had an art professor that said that the the, wo the wound is a womb. So that was like a huge thing that they would, you know, always say. And so it stuck with me where it's like, yeah, out of out of pain comes something new, something creative that's, you know, sort of where the birth of something else. Um, and that I think this movie def definitely hits on that a lot. And also just visually, like, I really, I feel like it should have been nominated for Best Cinematography because there's a lot of right. gorgeous, gorgeous shots. And I mean, I think that speaks to Spielberg's direction as well. But I was, I was definitely taken aback by how much meat there really is in this film and, and heart and just very nuanced, complicated conversations yeah. about family. Um, so yeah, I would say I definitely was one of those those people that didn't give it a fair shot, but then I, you know, I swallowed my pride and I did. And I actually, like, it's up there for me now as one of my favorites. <laughs> I also thought, I won't say what, what, what it was, no spoilers, but I thought it had one of the f best final shots, too. Um, both Fableman's and, and Watcher, I thought, had some of my favorite uh, final shots. Yeah. Joe, what is your favorite Spielberg movie? And, and keep in mind <laughs> that Steven Spielberg listens to the podcast. <laughs> None. No, I'm playing. Um. <laughs> I was just going to grill you. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg, I, he doesn't have enough films for you to immediately come up with one as your favorite. Mine would be Minority Report, by the way, which is probably a curveball because... That was actually a really good one. I have to give... That's... Yeah. There's just, like, um, so many that it's there, hard yeah, it's to... Really you, know, you forget which ones he's done because he's yeah. done so much. Seriously, I'm like, oof. You got Jurassic Park, you got E.T., so you could See, go I was going back for the between Jurassic Park or E.T. because E.T. is like a childhood one where my mom got irritated because I had her play that along with Land Before Time all the time. Mm. Um, Shout out Land Before Time. I watched that every <laughs> single day as oh, a kid. Yeah, I was obsessed with that movie. That one, talk, yeah, talk about childhood trauma right there. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the beginning scene for that one, whew, doozy. Um... Uh, yeah, I I don't know if I could ever really pick a favorite between any of his movies. You know, just Jurassic Park. Let's just go with it. Jurassic Park. There it is. <laughs> it's a good pick. It's a yeah, it's, it's, you know, everything they did for that, you know, I could go on for days for that one. I just like the fact that they use actual, like, animatronic, uh, animatronic stuff. Um, being that all they had issues with the T-Rex when it was raining, when they are trying to... Flip it on the, the car over the cliff and everything. The stuff was just good. Watch this segue. Speaking of a T Rex personality, Lydia Tar. Ooh. Tar is the next movie on our list. Candace, you were a fan, Yo, right? That was. <laughs> that was a good segue. Shots right? fired, yeah. almost. Right. I'm like, what are you trying to say? Is she a lizard person? <laughs> like, <laughs> a She's a force. She is a oh, force. She is a force. Yeah, so that's. Again, one that pleasantly surprised me. I, I'm not into classical music. I, you know, I, there wasn't anything about the plot that drew me in, like as far as my 
personal tastes go. I mean, I love Kate Blanchett. Like, she's iconic um, outside of Tar. Um, but yeah, as soon as I put on this movie, it just totally drew me in. Again, it's like three hours long. I was like, oh, they got this on, and they do some other stuff, but it it sucked me right in. Um, so much there, like just with power dynamics and gender and cancel culture and, you know, also at the same time, someone's sort of descent into madness a little bit. Um, so it definitely gave me like Black Swan vibes. I, I felt a little bit there, like in maybe the third act. Um, but yeah, I I just thought it brought up so many, it did such a masterful job of bringing up these really hot button issues and I think sort of showing all of the various nuanced sides of those conversations. Um, but I've heard so many like mixed things from people about it that I really didn't know what to expect. I've heard people criticize it as being misogynistic, which is insane to me having now seen it. Mm -hmm. um, because I really felt like it's, it's exploring a, a female identity that we don't really get to see a lot of representation of in the media, um, just because there are so few women in power. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think part of that is too, because she is a complicated character, people were like, oh, they're just like showing her, in an, you know, this powerful woman in a negative way. But I think if anything, that's the most feminist because like women aren't perfect. Like we're not these like ethereal creatures, like, you know. So I think it's actually more feminist to show her sort of struggling and being confronted with these choices within this sort of power dynamic that she has earned her way into. Um, yeah, and then also the cancel culture stuff I thought was really fanc fascinating. And Kate Blanchett just devoured that role, much like the T-Rex. Yes, <laughs> bring it that home. It. <laughs> bring it back. Uh, Adam Tarr, what are your thoughts? Uh, yes, uh, it's a fascinating watch. Uh, she's, Lydia Tarr is, or, or Linda, as we later learned. Oh, I guess that's a spoiler. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Not really. <laughs> I'm going to bleep uh, out a lot of what you say <laughs> anyway, Adam. So <laughs> That's understandable. Uh, she's such a, you know, rich complex character, as Candace said, that it's just fascinating to watch the movie as it kind of peels back the layers of who she is and how she got to be where she is um, and the things she has done to mm -hmm. achieve the things she has in her life. Uh, that, yeah, those, yeah, close to three hours just fly by. And as you said, Kate Blanchett, yeah, devours that role. She's phenomenal. I mean, she has an entire career of amazing performances and this might be her best. Yeah, and that's where I'm like torn with between her and Michelle Yeoh for best actress because I'm just like, uh, like, love Michelle Yeoh. It's her time. But like Kate Blanchett just, she knocked it out of the park yeah. with this role. Like, she was so good. People thought Lydia Tarr was a real person. Yes, and they still do. She's like, I was telling person, someone who's, <laughs> like, I have friends who are really into classical music, and they don't, they're not really movie fans, but I was like, you guys should watch this, because I think you would enjoy it, and you would get some of the real-world, you know, references, and then they were like, oh, yeah, isn't she based on a real conductor? And they were, like, sort of trying to make it fit into, like, from personalities that they know in the conducting scene, and I was like, no, I don't. 
think so. And then I looked up and I was like, no, she's totally fictional. But I think they intentionally sort of blur those lines, you know. Joe, what's your favorite Lydia Tarr score? <laughs> <laughs> Lydia no, I'm kidding. What, what are your thoughts on this film? Wait, yeah, you, you, you kind of come from the classical music world a little bit. Very much so. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. Just a little bit. Is this like getting to know Joe podcast? Wait, I mean Joe, do I don't think I do this. We all get to know each other. Can you can you explain this a little? Tell us your I resume. I have a degree in music education and performance, and I went to Eastman uh, all throughout my middle school and high school, and a little bit of college career as well. So I'm, I'm a classically trained musician. I play all the string instruments: so uh, violin, viola, cello, bass. Those are my uh, main instruments. That's like the coolest thing. Yeah, <laughs> I so just, just a little that? bit. Just a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> just a small smidgen. <laughs> so also you can win surprise if you a musical <laughs> duel <laughs> with Joe. If you don't want to fight him, you could just I go mean, to a string. I think string. the most oh. obvious thing from this is that we should make a movie based on Joe's life. Yeah. And it would win all the Oscars. I doubt that one. <laughs> Who would play you in a movie, Joe? <laughs> Would you, you play yourself? James Earl Jones would. <laughs> <laughs> I think th I, don't <laughs> I think the ages wouldn't future, work out. That, that's future me. <laughs> well, is the movie going to be animated and then he's voicing you? Oh, that, that would, would be, be pretty cool. awesome. You know what? Either him or it could be uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <gasps> <gasps> oh my God! Yes. But for some do. reason, a lot of people thought I looked like him when he was younger. I want you to be him for Halloween now. <laughs> All you'd have to do is get like a space tie and like wear a blazer. Yo, if I could, if I can meet him and Bill Nye, I would be happy. Yeah. Bill Nye is nominated for best actor, not Bill Nye the science okay. guy. Bill, Bill, Bill Nye, Nye the actor guy. That's see, he's another like actor not a lot of people know about, but everything he's been in was just, he kills. Yeah. It. He's Solid. a phenomenal actor. Mm -hmm. He's in Pirates of the actor. Caribbean too. Wait, I'm just gonna jump past for a second and say that we have all the Marvel de-aging technology that has been used. So I don't think you can you necessarily have to write off James Earl Jones playing you. Oh, that's it true. It can still happen. Could be like the Irishman. <laughs> CGI <laughs> yes. Joe. Ah, <laughs> there it is. Yes. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm game for that. But yeah, have you you haven't seen Tar? But have you heard anything about it? I haven't seen Tar, but uh, the most I've heard about it was they people were just just in, enthralled with the performance. That's I, I didn't get anything other than her performance for, for the movie, um, which I guess kind of took me out of wanting to, to watch it. I was like, because I would have, uh, if it was like really focused on like the music part of it, then yes, hands down, I would have been in there. I mean, there's a lot of music in there. I'm just not, I don't know anything about classical music, so I just sort of ignored all of that. But it's the framework of the entire movie. Yeah. Ditto, I don't really know anything. And it, the movie still works if you don't, but I feel like if you do, I feel like there's this whole other element to it. Yeah, that you there's can another layer. Get so much from. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it was one that was on the list, but it wasn't like high up on the list of things that I wanted to see. Uh, it's, yeah, I, w I would say that uh, it was one that a lot of people just came out saying they were pleasantly shocked at how well it went. So. Yeah, and I think one of the like, relatable bits of the classical music is sort of that conversation she's having in the classroom with that student where he's like, oh, well, I don't like Bach because he ha you know, had all these affairs with women or there's something about it where <laughs> it was just like, you know, because that's what I'm saying, like the cancel culture piece, because it's like, oh, because he was a bad person, I'm just gonna ignore his music and his contributions that he's made. Um, and there's a, and like, 
is never really something I've thought about with classical music, but I'm sure it'd be like, well, then every every single composer from the last like 200 years you could uh, pick and Mozart, oh Mozart, right? Definitely Mozart. Uh, yeah, and Franz Liszt. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm about to go down a whole yeah. list of people, but. Bach is probably one of the best composers ever, including with how Mozart was. And Bach was on top of Mozart. Like I said, like just a little bit of yeah. knowledge I had there. So I think especially like that's that's an interesting way that sort of this very classic part of culture is sort of clashing with this new social media driven culture, which is very quick to cancel someone, um, you know, based on sort of pieces of their personality or personal life. Um, that don't necessarily. It's it's people have a hard time when it comes to separating anyone from whatever they've done because mm-hmm. it's especially now it feels like it is oh well you're supporting them and like getting them money so why would you do that so it's it's hard it's hard for people to give that credit if someone has like a hard time for it. Mm-hmm. And the scene you'd mentioned, Candace, was I think one of the. Um, most iconic scenes of the film. It's uh, where, of course, Tara is doing the guest lecture at Juilliard. Um, and we had talked about it um, when Adam and I were on Connections that I think that was a scene that, you know, one of my favorite parts of going to the movies is talking about it afterward, obviously, as you can tell from this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's cool working in a movie theater that we can see people, especially you, you three in your positions, can see people leaving the auditoriums, leaving the theaters, and talking about these movies. And I think that was one of the most talked about scenes. And I think it's probably going to be one that will help Kate Blanchett maybe win mm-hmm. the Oscar. No. Yeah. I uh, think maybe. so, too, to that point, though. Like, Because isn't it up for best original screenplay? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Um, it's, it's such a well-written film. I mean, even take her performance out of it. Like, of course, you needed an amazing actress like her to sort of bring those words to life. But... Todd Field, who directed it, also wrote it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's a great example of just this very clear vision. Just the film as a whole, as a writer-director, you can tell he had such a clear vision for what he wanted. Um, And yeah, the writing is just, especially dealing with such complex issues, it's just excellent, excellent writing. Yeah, the uh, best original screenplay is Tar... The Banshees of Inishirin, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, and Triangle of Sadness. So all, all Osc- Best Picture. Yeah, those are all good. Ones. Um, adapted screenplay um, is All Quiet in the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Night's Out Mystery, Living, Women Talking, and our next one that we're going to talk about, Top Gun, Maverick. My favorite. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't think that was. Uh, do you want to elaborate? What did you, you weren't a fan of uh, of. Oh, Top no, Gun? I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. Um, did, you, did you walk out of it? No. I mean, I was watching it on my did couch. Did you? So. <laughs> I would have to go see it for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, I thought it, for the fans of Top Gun and Tom Cruise, did exactly, you know, what it set out to do. Uh, the visuals were definitely awesome. I see why. It got nominated for visual effects. Um, but yeah, I think other than uh, the scene between Tom Cruise and Val Kilmer really like got to me just because Val Kilmer actually having you know throat cancer in real life. I love that they still, he was still a part of it. And even though he was really only in it for that one scene, um, I just felt like that must've been a touching moment them as actors um i mean for their characters too it was a touching moment but 
um, that got me tearing up a little bit because I'm like a Val Kilmer fan from from way back. Um, Batman Forever. Yeah, no, from (laughs) Willow. Okay, talk about sexual awakenings because apparently that's every time I get a microphone, I talk about that. New podcast (laughs) category. Here we go. (laughs) I mean. But yeah, so I was happy to see that he was still in it, um, and yeah, I, I thought it was fine. Not not my cup of tea, but I can see why people like it. Adam, what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, I enjoyed this one as mainly it is an example of like classic like Hollywood blockbuster filmmaking. I feel like it's a great example of that. Like I feel like there are so many ways that this could have been terrible, like a sequel to Top Gun. 20, I don't even know, 20, yeah. 30 years later? That's fair. <laughs> well after the original. <laughs> um, but I feel like this uh, ends up being a, a surprisingly decent movie, like with a decent story and amazing, you know, for all your personal feelings about Tom Cruise aside, like he is a movie star mm-hmm. and he knows. Scientology's really working out for him. Yeah. I'm not sure about anybody else, but. Uh, well, yeah. I think it's him and him alone. Yes. Well, but because then I then went crazy on Oprah's uh, <laughs> couch. Or was it Oprah or uh, Ellen? Yeah, it was Oprah. It was Oprah, it was Oprah, Oprah yeah. of course. He's past that though. He's he's back. He's back. He's he's yeah. a movie. He is a movie star. He is, yeah. Um, and I so I've never really had the nostalgia for the original Top Gun. I'm like, a, it's uh, yeah, fine. I'm not a fan of the original. But I really enjoyed. I th- yeah. like Adam said. I think it was such a good blockbuster film. It had some really riveting thrilling action sequences especially on the big screen um and it's actually funny so my the ballot that i have in front of me i have a the rotten tomatoes one um so it has the rotten tomatoes scores and the audience one and out of all the best picture uh top gun maverick has the highest audience rating 99 percent second highest rating just overall 96 percent the only one that topped it is banshees of inishirin 97%, 97%, which is kind of interesting. And again, Rotten Tomatoes is just not yeah. the be-all-end-all be all end all of ratings. But it, I th- well, that's well, interesting. Well, Rotten Tomatoes gives you a good look at how mm-hmm. the audience really feels about it because it's, it's a couple of years ago. I'm yeah. trying to remember what movie it was. The um, It got rated like 1% by... Oh um, yeah, but before before the uh, the general public could go in and put their yeah, votes the in critics, on it, yeah, the yeah. critics had gave it like one. It was like one percent, and then it just flew to ninety nine percent because of course that one is going to stay in there. Yeah, but it was just, I can't remember what movie it was so big. I was just so shocked that they gave it a score of like one. I was like that was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like that's what made me want to watch uh, the new Top Gun is because everyone was just raving about it. And I was just like, how, how, how can it really be that good? You know, but I feel like there hasn't been a movie like that since the 80s. You know, so it, I really feel like it was the, it was done really well. Yes. But it was, you know, it filled a little bit of a void, um, yeah. you know, that I feel like in recent years, m- movies like that really haven't been being made and I, I think we know from I think we know from working in a movie theater too that it's you know people still have been hesitant to come back to the theaters and I think overall Top Gun it opened Memorial Day and it brought in people to to see this blockbuster um, I'm sorry Joe what you were saying something when I started talking well now I was going to crack a joke saying they have been trying to make movies like that the only issue is this you know the Rocky films-esque ones <laughs> like the Creed, Creed movies yeah yeah yep. <laughs> Creed movies are very popular, though they're they're uh, well reviewed. Uh, is it? Are they? <laughs> Michael B. Jordan? 
Uh, like, don't get me wrong. I, like, I, I love I love to watch some you know half naked Michael B. Jordan, but it's just <laughs> yeah, no, the, no. Ryan Coogler did the first Creed, well, and I Michael B. Jordan directed the I most recent. I think part of it is like it, things tend to trend very gritty um, these days. Like even like with the new Batman, you know, it, it it's everything's gone very gritty when things used to have a sense of humor to them. Um, and I think Top Gun is like like it's very serious, obviously like. They work for the government, like war, they're fighting the bad guys and all of that, but they still have fun. They have the bar scene, they have the topless or topless, shirtless <laughs> um, <laughs> beach football. I mean, let me guess like that was there's a lot of abs flying around. Um, but you know, <laughs> there's little things in it that still make it funny, and so it's it's entertaining and you have a little bit of grit, but at the end of the day, you get to like feel good when you leave. You're like, yeah, they did it did the mission like <laughs> america like it's very much that vibe but I batman's supposed to be gritty though so i mean I'm i i will still always love tim burton batman oh, well, yeah. like i like a little campy you know i'm i'm that's me i'm a camp queen but i'm just saying i think that we, like even with the rocky movies like rocky's kind of goofy you know and so i think when you like remove the rocky character it just it gets very serious and so, just my two cents. I would love to see in a movie poster, abs <laughs> flying around, America. <laughs> America. <laughs> I, think, I think if there was a movie poster review for our next one, Triangle of Sadness, it would be about a different bodily fluid <laughs> flying around in the very uh, infamous yacht scene. Uh, I think, so Triangle of Sadness, I think, is one, I, I was speaking of the, the Rotten Tomatoes scores and the audience and critics and Th that's the lowest on, on both of these. Um, I mean, it's still a good score, 72% Rotten Tomatoes and 73% audience. But I think that was a movie where people either loved it, it was a hoot, or or you didn't really care for it. Um, but I think our panel liked it. Correct, Adam? You, you were a fan, right? Generally, I, I feel like I'm going <laughs> to immediately disagree. I felt like I was kind of mixed on it. Like, I, I liked it, but I felt like it was... The things I liked, I really liked, and there were a bunch of elements that I really didn't. Um, but no, overall, like, I, th my main problem, I feel like, that it had a theme that kind of it beat you over the head with, and it just kind of went on, and I feel like it didn't do a whole lot of variation on that main theme. I wish it had done a little more with that, but it was always, I don't know about, entertaining is the right word, but I was never bored watching this movie. There was always something nuts happening. Um, and also, I feel like maybe I'm slightly bitter on it that my favorite performance in it, uh, Dolly De Leon, hopefully I didn't mess up her name, um, but the sort of cleaning oh, yes. woman on the ship yes. gradually as the movie goes on plays a bigger role. Um, she was so good. Yeah, and I was really hoping that she would pull off like a nomination, and I feel like she she's gotten did. mostly overlooked. And so maybe that is, you know, coloring my overall opinion of the movie. Because she, oh, she's so good. Yes, she's iconic. Like, she was my absolute favorite part of that movie. And you, you like this movie a lot, correct? I did. But again, I'm, I love dark humor. So yeah. it was hilarious. Like, I was, I was laughing so much. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so, of course, that made me love it. Uh, very, very smart, very well written. Again, best original screenplay. Totally get it. Um, yeah, and I think 
also I'm obsessed with Woody Harrelson as the captain. The American communist. Oh my god. Speaking with a Russian capitalist. Yes, that was <laughs> that was so iconic for me. Like I just I loved everything about that. I loved the exploration of those themes, uh, capitalism versus socialism. Um, again, going to like power dynamics and sort of a, a lot more about gender roles than I expected, like with the the influencer couple, like the two models um, uh, that I found very fascinating, like even in the first act where they're sort of having an argument about who's, who's paying for the bill. Um, and so I thought it was an interesting plot device that they were both models because that's gotta be one of the only industries where women earn more than men. Um, so I loved the playing around with that in the beginning and then sort of dropping them in this luxury cruise setting. Um, and then again, like no spoilers, but in the third act, things do not go as planned with the luxury cruise. So then sort of stripping it all down to just basically a human level and exploring more of that sort of humanism. There's a lot of humanism in the in the best pictures um, this year. So yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised, but I think for me, the thing that it was missing was sort of that emotional connection because it is such a satire mm -hmm. that you really don't feel for any of the characters. Like the only character really was the Abigail, the cleaning lady that, that you mentioned, um, where I was just like, Yes, like everything about you, yes. Um, but that being said, she's still not necessarily the most likable character, like when you see the movie as a whole. Um, but yeah, I thought it did a great job exploring class. Yeah, and Ruben Oslin has, um, you know, some of his films have been very popular Popular also here at the Little Force Majeure, which of course had a American remake, which wasn't quite as popular downhill. Uh, and The Square um, also he did. So I, although I, I think this was, it was probably my favorite of the ones that I've seen of him. I haven't seen a lot, <laughs> to I be agree. honest. But like this one <laughs> felt like next level. Like it just felt, it felt a little more fully realized for me. And I think like to your sort of complaint about you kind of, yes, we get it. Like, the theme is very much hammered in. Um, but I feel like in some of his other films, sometimes I see it do, trying to do too much. So I at least appreciated that it was a very unified, you know, exploring many things within that theme. Yeah. But it was very clear, like, this is what this is a satire of. Yeah, and uh, for me, I, I think I was kind of the opposite of you, Candace, where I, I like the, it was cl clearly broken into three chapters, and I, I like the middle one, where I thought was very funny, and the third one I thought was a little a little long for me, and it dragged on. Yeah, and the um, third one was my favorite part. Yeah, <laughs> oh, which I, I always think that's so fascinating, when yeah. like people take different things from movies, and um, like that was probably not one of my favorites out of the Best Picture nominees, but... I would never tell someone to not. Well, I, I would still be like, you should watch yeah, this. Yeah, I for think sure. it's everyone should watch it. Yeah, like even if you don't agree with it, and that's that's part of what I love about a lot of the movies we have at the little is they do start conversations. So to me, that's a sign of a successful film. Like if people are having disagreements about it, like even with Tar and like some of the others, it's just like it's a good movie. That's what makes a good movie, you know. So we have one more Best Picture one. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Candace, because you literally just watched this. This is Women Talking, which has <laughs> Candace watched in this very room that we're talking about yes. moments before I we started recording. I was trying to fit it in. Um, yeah, so I'm still processing. Um, definitely, like, buffering a little bit. But 
yeah, this one, I will say shout out to Sarah Pauly for being the only female directed film to make it into the best pictures. We do not have any women nominated for best director. I say, yeah, so I do feel like she was snubbed because I feel like having seen eight of the 10, she's deserves to be in a place among the men that were included in the category. Um, I, I had more issues with women talking than I expected. So I think that's why I'm like being a little hesitant here because also like it is very fresh. Um, I almost, so, so a few things. I think there were some really smart choices. I thought it was a very interesting, almost it felt more philosophical and those are the things I liked about it. Like when they're all in the barn and they're talking, those were my favorite scenes where they're sort of like having this back and forth among them. I wish that that was almost the whole movie. So I think where she starts to lose me is when she kind of goes to these other scenes and other parts of the community. Um, and just to preface it, it's a Mennonite community where there's been se sexual abuse to almost all of the women um, in the community by a the men in the community. Numbers. Yeah. And so it's, it's a very patriarchal society where the men say what to do. They call all the shots. Women do not know how to read and write. They are not allowed to think for themselves. And when this first starts happening, they are told that it's not happening, or it's it's the devil, or it's a ghost, or you know they're they're made to feel like they're crazy, or they're making it up, or they're lying. Um, and then they get proof, so they're like, okay, what are we gonna do? You know. So I think those discussions of against this very sort of simple understanding of existence from these women, where they again can't read and write. The only frame you know of reference they have is the Bible and what the men tell them, and sort of, this is the first time they've been confronted with thinking for themselves, um, and how all of the disagreements that come from that. So that part was very interesting to me. Um, there were a few, like, visual depictions of the abuse that I thought were a little heavy-handed and over the top, like a lot of the blood and things like that, because I've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, it, it avoids being too, like, heavy-handed or, like, dark, because I think for, for a woman, um, and speaking on um, women in film, it, a lot of storylines are based around sexual assault and rape. And so it's a bummer. I mean, it's literally a bummer, but then it's also just like, we are more than like rape victims, you know? So I think I bring a lot of my own baggage into the movie um, in, in that way, as far as trying to be like, uh, not a fair viewer, but I think I'm automatically going into it with like, really like another, sexual abuse story about women. Um, so there's some of those things that I didn't necessarily agree with the way that they were handled. Um, but I do feel like some of the acting performances got snubbed, because like, I think it's Claire Foy, she was like a standout for me and I can't believe she's not nominated. Um, and then also Jesse Buckley, I thought she gave an amazing performance. Um, and again, the, the, the script was great, like, um, adapted screenplay, best adapted screenplay. Again, Sarah Polly is the one that wrote it. Um, so totally deserving to be in that category as well. But yeah, I have a lot of complicated feelings about it. So I'd love to hear some of Adam's thoughts. Uh, yeah, I really liked this movie. Um, just for, yeah, the, the direction, the way it's written, the performances, the entire ensemble of of women I thought was incredible and just and I agree that like the best scenes are just watching them sort of bounce off each other and argue and debate mm -hmm. um I yeah I can't 
really, I mean, I have nothing to say to you, you know, the the type of movie it is. Um, and I feel like that gets into, you know, representation and the more you give women filmmakers the more you give black filmmakers asian like the more they are allowed to tell different types of stories the more you know diversity of those types of stories you will see Mm -hmm. and i feel like yeah it often turns into you know this deals with this is a story that deals with serious issues so that turns into like the thing you're like oh this is the thing that we can acknowledge and reward because it's dealing with such serious things Um, but a- as that type of movie, I thought it was incredibly well done, and I love Sarah Polly because with everything she's made, I think is incredible. Um, and so this just worked for me. Um, in terms of like, yeah. So <laughs> that's what's, yeah. Yeah. I Scott, what about? Yeah, yeah I like I love the performances too. I thought they were so good. Um, I have not read the book. This is based on a book by Miriam Taves, mm-hmm. um, which I have not read. Uh, but I heard this the movie is one of the rare films that could be as good or even better than the book mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I really adored this and i i do think one of the big snubs um was both acting and, and sarah polly i think should have gotten a directing nod as well um which which i do think was one of the big snubs here again no no women directors um and so we've been mostly focusing here on best picture um, but we obviously have a lot of categories and we're, we'll go a little quick since we're um probably running a little low on time you guys are probably getting hungry it's starting to be time to eat um, so I don't know who, who want to jump in first, but is there any category that you really just stands out and you want to talk about? We haven't been ignoring Joe. He hasn't watched, <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't watched the I, most I recent promise, movies we've I'm talked still, about. I'm still and I'm like, tell me your I thoughts on women here. talking, Joe. Well, the women were definitely talking in that movie. Yes. You know, it was great. Yeah. I was enjoying I it. I really loved when the women talked. Yes. Women talking, Joe listened. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> exactly. That's your... <laughs> That's that your dating you profile. <laughs> 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 the most romantic of all the films. Uh, uh, let's see what's on there. I would say uh, for original songs, I kind of had a, a big one on that one. Cause, uh, uh, all right, let me let me read the original songs before you get into this. Um, applause, uh, Tell It Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, not you, not to, R, 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 this is a life, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. So I was actually able to go through and listen to all these songs so I can give you my good, you know, one, two piece on there. And I will say, if Lift Me Up does not get it, I'm going to be upset. Really? Yes. That's Rihanna? Not, not you, not to? No, not, not, not you, not to. I will have to say, I lift, mean, lift Me Up will definitely have to be the one that gets it. I do love Rihanna, so... Well, it's it's her, but it's Tim's vocals that, I, to me, are just amazing. She she's a phenomenal uh, singer, and her her voice. It's I'm hoping that she gets the same kind of love from this song that Lizzo got when her song got put in that uh, Netflix movie, which I am drawing a blank on. But that's. I'll dub in the, uh, yeah, the right. titles. I don't We're know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that song is is just good. You just absolutely can't beat that one. I mean, you can't go wrong with Rihanna. Does anyone else have feelings on the, well, the, it's the song? It's that, but also given what the song is for, and I was just like, it, you just that one. That one has to get it. 
because it's it's just a complete like it's it was the perfect song for the ending of that movie, especially for what they reveal after that mm. for mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Black Panther. So if you know, you know. Yeah, exactly. If you know, you know. I will not give spoilers, and that is a huge one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it just it has a lot of weight to it. So I was like, there's, to me, I was like, there's there's not anything else really that I think holds a lot of weight to it. I don't know. Um, the one from Everything Everywhere All at Once, was it, was Mitski the performer? I think so. Yeah, because I love, I love Mitski, so, I mean, and the movie was great, and the music was great um, all throughout. But I'm always happy to see indie artists in there. I mean, as much as I love a Rihanna or a, a Lady Gaga. Um, but yeah, Mitski's an awesome musician um so i thought i thought she was a great fit for for that film as well not to uh speak for our friend and co-worker matt uh to turk but he, he had he had a good uh well because adam knows what i'm talking about he the song that he said should be best original song from tar the uh, apartment for sale another i oh guess yes. if you know you know yes yes <laughs> with the uh, accordion it is yeah that's great song. that's great uh, Adam, do you have either thoughts on the best original song, or do you have a category that you would like to dive into? Uh, briefly? I, for original song, I, I can't help it. I'm pulling from Natu Natu just because RRR was just so much fun to watch, and that was the only thing it got recognized for. So I'm kind of pulling for that. Uh, in terms of category, uh, animated feature. Um, I'm really hoping uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I was going to say, if you don't say Pinocchio. I We're gonna fight. I gonna say, as <laughs> much as I love Marcel Lachelle, like <sighs> Pinocchio was just, just Pinocchio is amazing. It's and it's beautiful. Art. And I, I mean, stop motion in general uh, is just you have to watch inspiring. it. I'm not a Pinocchio. Like I'm not in no, the story of Pinocchio because we we we've had that conversation. Yes. But I'm actually shocked at how many people did not like Marcel Lachelle because when you Ooh, just said that, yeah. I haven't seen Marcel yet. Wait, so. really? I thought it was like universally. Yeah, adored. I thought everyone loved there it. There were quite a few people who did not like. Marcel I loved it. Lachelle. It was one of my favorites. So I, now I gotta find these people. Yeah, I <laughs> are they listening? <laughs> you see, you see, you hear that. He's coming for if you. If you're listening, come <laughs> find me and we're going to fight. <laughs> That's the true spirit of Marcel. <laughs> Vengeance. <laughs> That's really the, the key takeaway. The key uh, one. Yeah, but I, I, we got in a conversation on Pinocchio yeah. and I was, uh, I was curious on watching that one. It's just so gorgeous. It's just so well done. But not to be I confused with the Disney one. Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> the Tom Hanks. It one. is not. <laughs> it is not OG Disney Pinocchio. It is not new Disney Tom Hanks Pinocchio nonsense. It not is Holly Shore animated one. It is not the also <laughs> like there were four Pinocchio movies that came out. Last yes. Time. So somehow like Pinocchio that got deep in the zeitgeist. Uh, your chair is bugging me. I'm not gonna lie. It has that back part that is coming off. And then he died. I, I did set a trap for Adam, <laughs> and Joe has ruined the trap. This yeah, is my chair is broken. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, Adam's chair is broken. <laughs> nope. This is very exciting live <laughs> podcasting. I'm glad you didn't fall. That way would have felt very bad. I was. I did not really set up a trap for you. That was a joke. Um, Adam, do you? <laughs> we're changing the subject. Do you have a category that you would like to talk about? Oh, he just. Oh, did. Uh, yeah, that was. Animated. Oh, the animated. Okay, yes, yes. Pick. <laughs> I will. I'll throw out costume design because I'm, you know, I don't want to call myself a fashion connoisseur, but I do love fashion. I will say you're probably the most fashionable person that works here. At the oh okay, all right. 
well, since you said it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I feel like it's something, it can make or break, like as I learned from House of Dragons, uh, where like I just felt like TV, the, the new Game of Thrones, like so much of the wigs and costuming were so bad that it was like distracting me from the show. Um, so I think it's one of those sort of invisible categories that you don't notice unless it's bad, unless you're me. Um, so yeah, I am having a hard time choosing because they're all, they all did such an amazing job, but <sighs> see, I see, I can't. Cause, okay, so for, for everyone listening, the costume design, we have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything, everywhere, all at once, and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Now, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, I feel like cheats, because the whole movie is about her going to Dior in Paris, and about how, like, amazing the dresses are. But I do think it also does a great job of, like, celebrating costume design, so maybe... Mm. I was going to say, like isn't that, that the whole point yeah. for that? Because she definitely should. has, like, m moments in the movie where she's, like she sees a dress and it just, it, it definitely does a great job of showing you like how that can, the impact it can have on someone. Like, cause she's a cleaning lady, you know, and she doesn't have anywhere to wear this Dior gown, but like she just wants to own it mm -hmm. for herself. And I feel like that's what a good dress does, you know, where you're just like, I just have to have it. I don't care where I'm wearing it. Like me with my online shopping uh, habits, but yeah. And then I'm, I'm also torn because everything everywhere all at once, as I said, the daughter's character and all of those insane outfits that she was wearing, I was like gagging at how good those were. But then Elvis, like all the costumes in that were amazing. They can all win. Yeah. So I don't know. Sports I don't know. People, people at home, help me out here. <laughs> but yeah, and I just watched Babylon last night and like the costumes for that were freaking amazing. But also, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm going to say I, I'm going to pull for Babylon because the scale of the production and how many people had to be dressed, and also they did the 20s in a very non-stereotypical way. You know, it's not your classic flapper. So it was, it was, it brought something new and something I hadn't considered for that time period. So yeah, I just decided live, everyone. <laughs> but I, I think it's okay to like them all too. I like that where it's like, there's not a clear favorite. It's like, I enjoy all of these and would be happy with any of them winning. And I'm kind of the way, so the category that I want to focus on, uh, so one of our most popular, anyone listening who goes to the Little a lot knows one of our most popular screenings all year is the Oscar-nominated short films, the animated, live action, and documentary. Um, the animated, this year's program, I think was my favorite since my first year at the Little, which was, my first year was 2015, but the first um, Oscar shorts I saw was 2016. Um, and they had... Um, it was just absolutely some of my favorite ones. Um, and, and even some of the ones that weren't Oscar nominated necessarily, but were um, shown as part of the program. Like that was so magical and I always remember it. And every year hasn't quite lived up to that until this year I felt, which I really loved them. So I'm, I'll read off the, the animated uh, short films, which is the, bo the Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse, The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, and an ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. Um, Ice Merchants was my favorite. I thought this was such a, a sweet film. So it was about um, 
I, I won't go into it too much, but it didn't have any dialogue. It just had a score, and it was about a father and a son, and they lived on top of this mountain, and um, every day they would parachute down into town to sell the ice from, from their place. And it was kind of hinting that maybe someone was missing. Like, where is the mother? Like, it was a mug place there. Um, and it was such a powerful, sweet story uh, with gorgeous animation. Uh, I also enjoyed My Year of Dicks a lot. I thought that was a... Uh, well, it's funny because w when you when you watch relatable when you watch the <laughs> when you watch the animated um, short program, it keeps coming up with a warning card. It's like this is not for children. <laughs> this is adult content, exactly. but it's really not like it has it has profanity basically, and it's about a 15 year old um, woman who is, or I guess girl, a teen. Who is? I was going to say a fifteen-year-old woman. Wow, <laughs> it's a fifteen-year-old who, <laughs> who, who, who set out. She's like, I'm going to lose my virginity, and it's her story, and it's told, it's broken up into chapters, and it's funny, it's sweet. I, it was one of the sweetest ones, uh, despite all the the warning titles. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. I, and the whole program. Wasn't there wasn't a, a bad one in there. Hmm? Wasn't there a movie like that? There was like a teen comedy that was like they were gonna lose their virginity, the cock blockers or whatever, where their parents tried to stop. That, them. that yeah, with John Cena yeah. in it. That, that was actually pretty funny. And see, like I was gonna say, like that that actually <laughs> makes me happy because I feel like a lot of people don't want to talk about sex with teenagers, but like that's when you're starting to have all of those <laughs> feelings. Um, so I think like having more open open conversations. That's what I liked about that cock blockers um, movie was that. At the end of all the silliness, the the father and the daughter actually had a very like serious, mature conversation about sex, and I think there needs to be more of that. Yeah, and, and the like I said, the warning title is like not for anyone under seventeen, but I was like, no, I think fourteen and fifteen year olds, yeah. not just girls but boys too, should should watch that. Just I mean, any fourteen and fifteen year totally. old. Um, so yeah, I love the animated short program. Okay, we're gonna go quickly for the rest of this. One thing that I love to do is alternative Oscars. So you can make up your own award of what you want. It could be best comedy. It could be best horror movie. It could be best character named Joe in a movie. It could be anything. <laughs> the one I usually do every year, which isn't quite as exciting, is the best comedy. I have a letterbox list. By the way, the, the little has letterbox if anyone's listening and wants to join. Um, but every year I pick my favorite comedies. I feel that comedy is such a hard thing to do, and it should be awarded just like horror. Um, I was pointing to Candace because she's our, our resident horror movie fan. Yeah, for scream that. queen. <laughs> uh, but for comedy, my favorite scream of the queen. year, I think, is going to be a little different than maybe what we think. It's Marcel the Shell. I laugh so much with that, and maybe it's not a traditional <laughs> comedy, but I kind of I bend my own rules. It could be a movie I like that has comedic elements, and so for that, I pick Marcel the Shell. Does anyone have an alternative Oscar here, or am I? Am I, this is um, I have a couple since you gave me this amazing outline ahead of time. Um, the ones that spring to mind, which I already touched on a little bit, but um, I'm going to give the best bromance to Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise. Um, Congratulations on your Oscar, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Val and Tom got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to give best cameo to David Lynch in The Fablemans. It was excellent. Yes. It's, one so of, it's a scene stealer for sure. Yes. So I don't want to give anything away, but yes, be on the lookout for him hidden in the Fablemans. Um, and then we can talk about best horror. I mean, between me and Adam, we could definitely throw out some some horror. Definitely. Um, yeah, so for me, the, my favorite horror movies of this year, um, Barbarian. 
11. Barbarian? Barbarian. Oh, Adam, I think your chair might break. (laughs) You see? See, he's getting getting excited Do we want to do a chair switch quickly? (laughs) (laughs) Or or do you think you're okay? Okay. Yeah, Barbarian's wild. I thought it was one of my favorite first acts in any movie. So I've watched a lot of horror movies, so a lot at this point, it's just, it has to be original for me to really go, holy shit, like, this is, this is it. We had a lot of great horror this year, too, so... Um, so Barbarian, nope, I think definitely, which we kind of talked about, like, is it a horror movie or a sci-fi movie? But we'll, we'll say horror sci-fi. Um, and then X and Pearl, I was absolutely floored and, like, obsessed with. Mostly, like, X came first, and I just feel like it reinvented the slasher genre. Well, maybe not reinvented it, but it gave us a new slasher villain we've been needing because we've been reusing the same ones over and over and over and then the fact that we got this bonus backstory with pearl i was just like and hi west mia goth is mia goth. so good oh my god yes and then they're gonna come out with maxine too so anyone who hasn't seen these um or heard reference to them watch x first so X is they're they're making a movie and it's kind of got a little bit of uh, it's set in the seventies has a, a a little bit of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibes, um, yes. And I don't want to give anything else away, but definitely watch that one first. And then Pearl is just again it's a it's a prequel. So even though it's a prequel, don't watch it first. And just uh, t- back to X, uh, she is Mia Goth is so good in that that. Uh, when Matt and I watched it, he didn't realize that she was I- playing she two roles. She plays two roles in the movie. Yes. Yeah, I told him when it, once it was over. And it yes. Was a little bit she's just mesmerizing. Like, she's what makes... And the movie's also funny. Like, that's the thing about Barbarian. Very funny. Um, X and Pearl are both very funny. And, and even Nope is very funny. Like, mm-hmm. that horror comedy... Uh, yeah. I thought Barbarian... <laughs> Had the best nose boop scene, <laughs> and I guess that's oh a, my god, that's yeah. a, if you know, you know. <laughs> and also, I won't I won't say what character, but the character or barbarian I thought would be a fun guest host at the Oscar. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> yeah. I also just watched Megan recently, and it's up there on my list now. Very good. Joe, do you have an alternative Oscar for us? I don't know. I can say for best useless character in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that Ooh, seems more like a Razzie <laughs> than an Oscar. But I am curious. Who do you uh, think is the most useless character? Uh, this will this will be going to Jurassic World with Jeff Goldblum. Oh my God, you're really hating on Jurassic World. Jeff um, Goldblum I mean, can't I win a bad Jeff Oscar Goldblum. like that. <laughs> Jeff listens to the podcast and now he's sad. He's like one of the best in the original Jurassic. <laughs> yes, he is. Maybe that's what it was. It was the expectation was set too high. No, actually. It was just they were trying to go for that nostalgia factor and they just just heavily relied on him instead mm-hmm. of, you know, like Laura Dern being back in there. Okay, that's fair. That's Yeah, I was like, yeah, like I I don't I don't need you to go through all the uh the, the tropes of like what yeah. everyone keeps doing the mean stuff for him. Like, okay, yeah, we know it's Jeff Goldblum. We all came here for Laura Dern. Uh, really. e- exactly. It's, it's yeah. I'm here to see dinosaurs eat people and Laura Dern. Okay. <laughs> that's 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 all I need. <laughs> Congratulations on your Oscar, Jeff. If you come back here for Jazz Fest or anything, stop by the little theater. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, Joe loves you, I swear. He oh, no, you know, it, there's <laughs> all love for Jeff Goldblum, but they just, yeah, they went down the wrong rabbit hole for him on that one. <laughs> uh, but no, I, 
I don't think I have like a really good one for this, honestly. I mean, that was a pretty good one. We <laughs> get a yeah. lot of I gotta go for the comedy aspect for that. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> I did think you were gonna go with the locusts from that movie because that was my bi- biggest disappointment: the amount of time spent about locusts in a Jurassic yeah. World movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We are here for dinosaurs. Yep. What are you doing? Not super wasting bugs. my but time. Even I mean, the dinosaurs. It was like, what are you do? like? They have like this whole little black market thing for the dinosaurs and everything going on. I was like, like, like my guy. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> How did it get to this point? Like, uh, that's all right. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. It, it's so bad. Yeah. It's a real bad movie. Yeah. Adam, I do you have an alternative Oscar, and is it does it not involve locusts or it does not <laughs> or it Jeff Goldblum? Does not. <laughs> but it can uh, involve dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, my my category uh, isn't the most exciting, but similar to yours. But I I wish the Oscars did have one for uh, best first feature. Uh, for a director, oh I yeah. like that. I feel like that would open up so many possibilities of recognizing movies that wouldn't otherwise. Uh, but I feel like one of my pick might be uh, one you mentioned earlier, Watcher, which oh I really yes. loved. Um, oh, I have my notes. Chloe. Oh God, uh, the director. <laughs> I put that Chloe. Oh yeah, I don't remember. I wish I could help it you out. Is it is woman directed. We'll fill time while Adam searches. Well, Chloe Akuno. Um, oh. is yeah okay. first feature from her I just it's so stylish and so mm-hmm. creepy and I, I just love that movie so much and I feel like that like completely flew under the radar yeah and I think for a movie that has such a sort of the setup is kind of tropey like okay we've seen this like it has surprises in it yeah. it surprised me like again having seen a lot of horror films I was actually like okay yes like it was very well done I felt she was just getting gaslit so much in that movie. Yes, that's she's what like, was, this is going. But like, that's what I loved. Like how expert of all turned out. But again, no spoilers. But yeah, I just because I feel like that happens so much in horror, where like the woman's like, no, something's happening, and the boyfriend's just always like, you're crazy. That's yeah. not happening. Well, it had a good setting too, where she was in a country where she did not understand the the language, of the main language there. So there was that barrier too, which I think added to the tension. It was very good. But I always tell people, like, if you're ever, like, if uh, some you think there's a killer after you, you're stuck in a time loop. Whatever the case will be, I will believe you. I know. If you I come say that to, to my me. husband a lot, actually, I'm like. I would totally believe you. Would you believe me? Like I'm always, it's always like a test where I'm like, if I came to you and I said that our house was haunted, would you believe me? We've watched enough movies. We know this how yeah. this works. Trust me. If we're haunted, if we're in a time loop or a haunted time loop, a combination of the two, which I would watch that. Um, I yeah, I'll believe you, and I hope I hope I'm also believed on that. I mean, in a time loop, you're just being haunted by the day. Like it's still a haunting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we'll do predictions on best picture. So I'm going to ask you who you think will win, who your prediction is, and, and who would you like to see. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be one of the the movies that are nominated. It could be anything you want. Um, because my, mine's real boring, so I'll just go with mine first. Everything Everywhere All at Once was my favorite movie of the year, and I think it'll win. It reminds me of Parasite. Parasite's the only time where my favorite movie of the year won. Um, and Parasite was... I think among fans was the favorite. It had the highest score on Letterboxd for a while and then was mm. supplanted by everything, everywhere, all at once. So I think that'll win. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, what are, what are your thoughts? What's it, who do you think will win and who would you like to see win? Oh, uh, well, I was going to say everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's going to have a, a kind of a sweep in all honesty. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say to 
kind of circle back to what you said for supporting actors. I hope Angela Bassett gets back on it. Oh. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you for shouting uh, out Angela Bassett because it's I also her time. Yeah. Angela I mean, I would, Bassett Stephanie Shu, I'd be okay with too, but I, I think. She's not going to get it. Though. She won't get it, yeah. I, I would be very okay with Angela Bassett. Angela, you know, Angela Bassett deserves that wholeheartedly. And speaking of everything, everywhere, all at once, we actually didn't talk about Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, Shinar, who are the writers, directors, collectively known as Daniels. The Daniels. Who also did, of course, Swiss Army Man, the Daniel Radcliffe farting corpse movie. Yeah. And they directed a Joy Wave music video. Uh, it's a trip. I don't think I knew that. Which Rochester connection, right? Is that the I had no idea. Joy Wave to Rochester? I think they did. Unless, oh, <laughs> maybe unless I'm getting <laughs> no, mixed I up with something else. I, I, I know they used to do music videos. Yeah, they definitely did music videos. Yeah, it made it, it maybe it wasn't It's a Trip. I think I maybe I did the uh, uh, a discussion of Drunk Bus, too, and they <laughs> directed once. I maybe I'm getting confused. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we can fact check, and I will bleep all that out <laughs> if I am wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Candace, what what are your predictions here? Yeah, so I think one thing, which is just sort of aside, but like I've been asking myself a lot, like what makes a best picture? Because I know that there's, you know, there's obviously like qualifications with the Academy and all of that, um, but just personally, like what do I feel like makes a best picture deserving? And I feel like it really has to hit everything. Um, so that's what's making it hard for me with this group of films because I feel like a lot of them sort of give me all of the things that I want. Um, like Tar, I feel like is just a super well-rounded film. Fablemans, I feel like is a super well-rounded film. But I do, I do have to give it to everything, everywhere, all at once. Well, that is my personal pick, <laughs> and that is <laughs> the one that I also think will win. But I do want to say that I begrudgingly think Steven Spielberg should get Best Director for The Fablemans. Very begrudgingly, I do think he deserves it, even though he's won enough Oscars at this point. So whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, I I think the best direction. I think so much of what makes that movie so strong is his direction. So, but anyway. I would definitely be okay if Steven Spielberg won. Again, I think the Daniels will win. And so, yeah, the, the Joy Wave music video was tongues that they did. Not It's a trip was by the, the directors of, of Drunk Bus, so that's why I didn't confuse. But I wasn't completely wrong, <laughs> which is good. I was like, oh, no, I think I just lied to the, our audience. <laughs> we don't like that. Adam, wh what are your predictions here? like this is going to be super boring, but I, everything everywhere all at once I feel like is going to win. Um, and I'd be super happy to see it win because it's an amazing movie. But also, as Candace said, yeah, I would equally be happy with The Fablemans, Banshees of Inisherin, uh, even Women Talking. I think any of those I'd be happy with, but I think it's ultimately it's going to be everything everywhere all at once. Because I feel yeah. like that is yeah. the, the movie of the clean, year. Clean sweep right there. See, I told you it was going to sweep. Mm -hmm. Just swept us off. <laughs> four out of four people agree. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, all at once. The Oscar for best movie with googly eyes and taxes. <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. You know what I really love that came from the movie is now there are googly eyes all over the theater. Oh, yeah, I was uh, going to say, googly yeah. eyes will be one of our freebies at the party. Um, we're just going to have a pile of googly eyes. That please don't um, stick them to the chair. Please don't stick them to anything murder at all of the us. little, but <laughs> feel free to put them on your body, your forehead, your notebooks, your prizes that you win. Yeah, again, a little uh, uh, trivia Oscar party. Sunday, March 12th, the big day, biggest 
biggest night in Hollywood, biggest night in the little theater district, pub style trivia, best picture themed food and drinks, prizes, giveaway, bingo. Dress as your favorite character. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> I just thought of that. that I love that. Yeah, dress. It's just going to be fun. Dress however you want, but it would be fun if you came in costume. Maybe we would throw an extra prize your way. Maybe. You 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 threw down this gauntlet earlier, and okay. it's been in my head this whole time, <laughs> like okay. kind of going through all the Michelle Yeoh movies. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, we had to circle right. back. We love a circle back. Right. Yeah. Sorry, we had to circle back to this. Michelle was listening, and she's like, go back to me. And <laughs> <laughs> I got to know what Joe films. thinks. Silverhawk is, like I said, you got to go see that one. It's a good one to watch. You have uh, Royal Warriors, which is another one, I would say, that does star her, and it's a really good one. Good cast of female actors in that one. Uh, Super Cop, which is a whole series that has her and Jackie Chan all through there. So, okay. great day. You gotta go see that. And, of course, you know, the creme de la creme. Everyone's probably already seen it. It redefined martial arts movies in general, which is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. The, the full aspect of everything that goes into that movie is undoubtedly probably like one of the best ever. It stands up to time, no matter how many times I watch it, it is always going to be good. And she is my favorite character in that one. So yes, so that, that will be my my picks for people to go and watch something Michelle Yeoh. There you go. What other Oscar podcast do you also get such great Michelle Yeoh recommendations? Zero other is the answer. Zero other. All right. Do we do we have anything else to say our piece before we go? Any other like? Oh, I thought I didn't know if there'd be like a twist. Be mm. like, actually, my favorite movie of the year is the Tom Hanks Pinocchio. <laughs> Luckily, that's oh not the case. <laughs> Never. I would bleep that out. So good. Ask your ask your trivia party here at the Little. We uh, we recommend get your tickets in advance. They're available at thelittle.org. It's gonna be a fun night. You will love it. You will come away with some free cool stuff. It'll be memorable. Come watch Askers with us. Yeah, meet some more movie nerds. <laughs> It will be us. a find your blast. You know you want to come through. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you to my guests, Joe McClaney, Candace Grimes, Adam Lubitow. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Movies in a Microphone brought to you by WXXI and the Little Theater. Remember, it's always a good time to take a little break. 